Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to release one of seven special edition episodes of the Uncommon Podcast today that will feature a message from one of our speakers at this past summer's Christians Working in Sports Conference. This week will feature a message from the conference's very first speaker, the chaplain for the Baltimore Ravens, Johnny Shelton. In his message, Johnny talks about the purpose behind the first ever CWS conference and the importance of being gathered together as Christians working in sports. If you like this content, you won't want to miss the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Click the link in the description of this podcast to visit the CWS conference website and learn more about how you can take part in next summer's conference. Without further ado, here's Johnny Shelton's message from the 2023 CWS Conference. What's going on, everybody? How we doing? How we doing? Nice looking group. Nice looking group. Thank you all for coming out. But yeah, as as they say, I'm Johnny Shelton. I am the team chaplain for the uh, Baltimore Ravens starting um, season 11. And it's been a blessing. Thank y'all for coming out. It's been a, I'm going to tell you, man, it's hot. Hey, man, it is hot. I didn't expect to come here and it be, be so hot. I came from um, 68 degree weather in Baltimore yesterday to 92 degrees. And it was uh, quite a shock. So, but it's good to be there. Never, nevertheless, it's so great to be here in this house. And so, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give credit to, to whom credit is due. Amen. And that is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I'm just so thankful that he's allowing me to see another day to serve him one more day. And that's really what we hear. I've been given the charge to kind of just set the tone in terms of what, why we are here. And, um, and it's amazing uh, from, from the things that I've seen and the things that I've heard in, the, in just the sporting industry. This is my... 23rd year in sports ministry and the things that I've seen, the things that I've been able to, to minister to coaches and athletes about is the reason why we're sitting in this room. Amen. We love sports, but a shout out, I like to give a shout out to, to the visionary, if you will, one of the visionaries of this conference, uh, Andrew Bow. He's the founder and the director for Uncommon Sports Group. Drew, are you around here? Just give a hand for, for, to Drew. He's back in the back. And also, also the, uh, the rest of the Uncommon Sports staff, you know, and then the committee for this, for this event. They've worked tirelessly to, uh, to make this uh, come to fruition. So I really, really 
just uh, happy to be a part, a small part of this. And, you know, but me personally, setting this tone to say, okay, why are we even here? I'm going to ask you a personal question. Why are you here? When you seen the registration open up and you heard about this conference, what was it that made you say, I need to be in a seat at that place? Personally, the reason that I'm here, number one is my love for the Lord. Number two is my love for, for Drew, for Andrew. Uh, I discipled him in, uh, at Virginia Tech when he was a grad student there. And um, it's just a special thing. And then number three, my love for people. My love for especially people in sport. You know, one of the reasons that I breathe is being able to look a young man, a young woman in the eye and tell them what they need to hear versus what their itching ears want to hear. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think that's why we are here. And so one thing that I want to do is if, as we talk about love and as we talk about all these things, I'm just going to set the stage tonight just talking about love. You see these three chairs sitting up here. I set these three chairs out everywhere I go because this is not only a reminder to you, but it's a reminder to me of just how good God is. Amen? Just how, just how far and how far he's brought me from. Amen? And you see these three chairs, and it's not only represent people, but it represents how we see God. And so this first chair over here to your far left, chair number one, I call it, that's that chair who, the person that's in this room, who loves the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. You're, you're that person in here who, who gets up in the morning when yet it's still dark outside and you're reading scripture and you're praying to God for direction and you're looking and you're praying and you're serving the least of these. That, that's that person who's sitting over there in chair number one. That middle chair represents that person who has a love for Christ, but it's not quite the way it used to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you first got saved, you're on fire, turning cartwheels for Christ. Amen. You're doing things that you never, ever thought that you would do. But something happened along the way. And you're not quite where you used to be. And you realize your love. I call it a I call it an elevator faith. Up one time, one day, down the next. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you have this chair here that somebody's sitting in right here that don't have a love for Christ. You don't know Christ. You love sport, but you don't love Christ. And so as we stand here today, I'm here to just tell you this. I'm, I'm just going to challenge you real quick is that I'm reminded as we talk about love, I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to show my age. But when I was in college, when I first started going to college, uh, Southeast Missouri State University, there was, a, there was this group out, happened to be my wife's, she, she, was, she was not my wife at the time, but 
happened to be her favorite group, and this group was New Edition. Any New Edition? No. Anybody know some New Edition out there? So that, that was my wife's favorite group, but they, they had this song. And they had a song that, that, that said, if it is in love. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll just quote a couple of verses from it. But it said, if it is in love, why do I feel this way? Why does she stay on my mind? And then there was another song that was out that's dealing with love. And from a musical icon who recently just passed away two or three weeks ago. And the title of the song was, What's Love Got to Do With It? The iconic Tina Turner. I pay homage to her just by even mentioning that song, but it, it, it makes me think about it because she asked in that song, what does love have to do with it? What is love but a secondhand emotion? And then she goes on a little later and she said, who needs a heart? when a heart can be broken. So we talk about love, right? When we think about sport, we are all in this room because of our love for sport. Amen? We, we love, there's something about sport, whether we was an athlete or whether we worked with athletes or whatever we was doing, it's something about sport that just drew us in. I know for me, I love sports because it was the one thing that, kept me sane. Amen. Outside of God, it was the one thing that kept me sane. It was the one thing that kept me interested in the, the team concept. It was the one thing that kept me from being alone. But I can tell you as a chaplain over 20 some years, I can tell you that we're sitting in this room because love has everything to do with it. I don't know why you came. Uh, from what I've heard, there's different reasons why some people came. But I don't know why you came. But here's as we talk about love, I want to turn your attention to a scripture, a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bibles, and it might be on the screen here as well. But 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. In this book, Apostle Paul gives us 15 characteristics of what love is, right? And I'm going to read it for you. And it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. When I read that scripture, my mind automatically goes to Jesus Christ and how he sees me. I think about me back in 1980. 586, my junior year of college when I was right here. And God is, and thank God for grace. Amen. I said, I said, thank God for grace. Because God does things 
in our lives because of his grace. Because had he not been a God of grace and mercy, I wouldn't be standing here on this stage and neither will you be sitting right there in that seat. Can I get a half a amen on that? Just a half of it. See, because one thing that I've learned about God is, is that that's the way he see me. He's patient with me. He's kind. God don't keep a record of my wrong. Y'all hear what I'm talking about? That's why we're in this room. We're in this room because of the grace that he's given us. And so when I think about and read this text and think about what God is doing to me, one thing comes to mind that I just want to share with y'all today. I'm going to ask the question, how do we love our God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds? How are you loving your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. And so to me, we have to go back to the beginning because the Bible teaches us that we need to love God. Not just a casual love. Not just the love when you're sitting here in chair number two and you're checking the boxes. Amen? Not, not that kind of love. God wants us to love him intentionally. And see, when we talk about loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, there are some things that come along with it. And it's not just nearly when he tells us this thing. He tells us this thing where it's a, not a suggestion, but it is a command. That's what the scriptures say. So back in Deuteronomy, back at the beginning, the beginning of it, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it reads this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And so when Jesus was asked this by the religious leaders, this is what he said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. It says this, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all their mind. And he goes on to say, this is the first commandment. And then the second one is unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Sidebar. You go to work on Monday morning, and you have these people who's working with you that you kind of dislike. Amen? Okay, I'll talk to this side over here. <laughs> kind of rough around the edges. We just don't see eye to eye. But how many of y'all know it's not a suggestion as a believer if you're sitting right here in chair number one and you claim to be that one who loved the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, if you claim to be there, God has called you, has called us 
even with the people that we don't like. Amen. See, did, did y'all know y'all was going to get this when y'all came in here? See, I, I remember when I used to just a little tangent right now, but I remember when I used to go and when I was sitting right here, I used to go to church services for the comfort. I, I, I used to go to the services to, to, to walk out feeling good. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I've learned, what I've learned is, is that God loves us so much. The reason that we're sitting in these seats right now is because he loves us so much is because we need to be challenged every now and then so that we don't get right here. Amen? So that we don't just live a check-the-box life and I've read a scripture or I go to Sunday to church and don't read a scripture until the following Sunday. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So why we are here is, is that we love sport. But the object is, and the question is, how much do you love God? Are you serving him the way that we are supposed to serve him? And so when we look at Jesus, when he read this, and he told them about loving the Lord your God with all of your, your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself, when we look at this, he made a declaration. It started back in Deuteronomy. Jesus added the love your neighbor part to that. But the origin of it is this. It was two commands. And so what I get out of that is, y'all, if you don't get nothing else, is that loving God and loving each other is our highest calling. It's our highest calling. Yeah, we love sport. I absolutely love sport. But one thing that I learned as a 21-year-old when I sat right here in this chair, I learned that as much as I love the game of football and as great as football is, it's an even more terrible God. And so we're sitting in this room as a believer in Christ, most of us, a believer in Christ, we're working at a position, some we like, some we don't like. And so we, we're in this sporting world where sports is so powerful. The influence that we have in, the game, in, in, in these games that we're playing, that the young people are playing, that the impact that we have is amazing. And the opportunity is endless. Nobody can tell me that God didn't know what he was doing when he invented sport. Amen. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he's called each and every one of us to operate in that calling. Amen. So how do we get there? What, what, what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all your heart? What is all your heart? When I look at the word heart in Greek and Hebrew, they mean the same thing. L-E-B, it's the lab. It's the central location of our being. Everything that we do comes from our heart. The way we think, the way that we understand, the way we feel, our thoughts, everything comes from 
all of our heart. My question is, do you love him with all your heart? We're reminded in the Old Testament in my life verse, again, when I was 21 years old, this verse smacked me because I was going through a, a, a treacherous time, if, I, if you will. And this scripture right here gripped my heart. Proverbs 4.23. And in that scripture, it says this, and this is King Solomon talking, and King Solomon tells us, above anything else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The version that knocked me on my tail was this. It, it said it this way. It says, above anything else, guard your heart, because out of it, flows the issues of life. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? As a Christian working in the sport industry, I think about this scripture all the time, a scripture that, 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 that tells us that let your light shine before men so that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify our Father in heaven. This is why we're sitting in this room. Amen? This is why, first and foremost, this is why we're sitting in this room so that we can be challenged and encouraged to when I go back to my workplace, when I go back to the office next to the person that I don't care too much about, I have to get selfless. Amen? That's why we're here. There's another scripture in Matthew 12, 34, where Jesus is elaborating on this heart. We're coming off of four, for Proverbs 4, 23. It tells us in Matthew 12, 34 and Luke 6, 45, that the heart determines what you say. Luke 6.45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you love him? Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Because when you love the Lord with all your heart, it's not only about your behavior, but it's what you say will be the evidence. What you say, I'll say that again, what you say will be the evidence. So if I walk to some of your colleagues and I had a conversation with them about you as a Christian, what would they say? Do they have the evidence from you that you're this person sitting in chair number one? What will they say about us? When they leave our, when we leave their presence, what will they say about me? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. What does all your soul mean? The Hebrew and Greek word for soul is a little bit of a variation, but I think we can come to the same place because in the Greek, Soul means breath, 
or spirit. Hebrew goes a little deeper because it's not just an abstract word for life. It's about the individual self, the person, the creature. It speaks deep thought and a deliberate choice. In Luke 21, 19, Jesus talks about taking possession of our soul. And this is what I want you to get. So what is all your soul? If you take ownership, I want you to listen to this. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. If you take ownership of the soul that God gave you and then direct all who you are toward him, that you love him with all your soul. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. If you, through taking ownership of the soul that God gave you, the soul that God gave us, if, if I take ownership of that soul that he gave to me, and then I direct it with all I am toward him, I will love him with all my soul. Do y'all see the, re the reciprocation there? God created us. And then basically what he's saying is, is that if I can give my love, the love, my soul, if I can bear it and be all that I am in Christ, everywhere that I go and give it all to him, things starts happening. That's when I can love him with all my soul, my very soul. So if I love him with all my heart, I love him with all my mind. My heart, my soul, my mind. The mind is the tricky one. Somebody say amen. The mind is the tricky one. What I've learned for, I was in a chaplain's conference back in 2008, and there was a gentleman there who was speaking and he said something like this he said what the heart loves the will chooses and then the mind justifies what the heart loves the will chooses and the mind justifies so if I can love the Lord with all of my heart and I can love him with all my soul, I should be able to love him with all my mind. Amen. But here's the difference. If you're going to love the God with all your mind, because if you remember in Deuteronomy, if you look back in Deuteronomy, the word strength is in place of mind. The Hebrew word is strength. And so the mind takes on a mind of its own. Amen. Because of the strength. And what we need to understand is, is what God is telling us to do is we need to love the Lord thy God because it is, it, it's a deeper meaning when it comes to, to the strength. And so when we do that, it's a deeper meaning. It means abundance. And so what God is telling us to do is, is that we need to love him as much as he loves us. So how do we do that? 
How do we do that? It sounds like a lot, right? It sounds like so, too much to be kind of, when I'm going through some issues, when, when I'm working through the issues of life, I'm not trying to look at my heart, soul, and mind. Can I just be real? I'm not even trying to do that because all of it is messed up. Amen. I'm not really trying to go there. That's a lot. The reason it sounds like a lot is because it is. It is a lot. But the scripture plainly tells us this. With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, we leave God and we put him on the shelf when we're sitting right here, amen? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We leave him and we put him on the shelf. I know I was guilty. I used to put God up on the shelf and I'll be like, okay, God, I know you're there. Don't call me, I'll call you. Amen? Can I get a witness? Has anybody done that besides me? So why are we here? The challenge is over these next couple of days is, is this. The challenge is, is that we search our heart. And so as I begin to close, I want to just challenge you real quick about some things that God is doing in our lives. And you notice I said our lives. I don't really know you from Adam. But I do know God is working in your life. So if we can continue to ask the question to ourselves, what is the first thing that I need to do to fill this command? The first thing you need to do to fill the command is you need to make the Lord your personal God. I'm going to say that again. You need to make him your personal God. And what I want to do is I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. What I've learned is, is that I know when you make God your personal God, there are certain benefits that comes with it. In Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 16 through 19, put it this way. It says, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, we, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I want you to answer the question as we play. I want you to ask yourself the question, why am I here? Like, really, why am I here? But if we receive that impartation of knowing God's love, it is crucial to you being able to love God.
Because you can't give what you don't have. God has created us to be givers. God has us in a place where we are right now and it's no mistake. To some of us, it may feel like a mistake, but to our Lord and our Savior, it's not a mistake. He's put you right where you are right now to be a light in the midst of a dark place. And again, you can't give what you don't have. And so my prayer is and my challenge to each and every one of us is to make it personal. Make it personal. Do you love them? Do you love them like the word says we should love them? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Are you doing all that you can do being a light in that dark place? Are you pouring in? Are you praying for? Are you praying with? There's benefits to loving God. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that all things work together for the good for those who love him and are called according to its purpose. Do you love them? James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you love them? James 2 and 5 says, Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Do you love them? Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. When we love God, He gives us a power that just blows our mind. He gives us a power that will, that will 
overcome fear just like that. To where we be able to speak boldly to our neighbors. To be able to lift them up. Who has any answers in this world? In this broken, dark world? Who has any answers? Do you have what it takes to lead your colleague to the rock when they don't know how to get there? That's why we're here. Lord God, we just thank you right now. Lord, um, only the person knows why they came here, why they registered for this conference. But Lord, right now, we just lift your name on high. Lord, we know that you are a God of grace and a God of mercy, Lord. There's no condemnation, your word says, for those who are in Christ. Lord, we just want to get a glimpse of you. I pray for each and every heart that's in this room, Lord, right now. Lord, I pray you're covering over them, over their families while they are away from them. Lord, I pray that you strengthen their very heart, even right now. Lord, you're not asking us to be perfect because you say we all fall short of the glory of God. But Lord, I know through a relationship with you, It takes away my sin. And so as we delve deeper, Lord, as we about to go into worship, Lord, I pray that every person here is challenged and encouraged to be all that you've created them to be. So I ask you, Lord, right now, just have your way. Holy Spirit, rain down. Just have your way right now. Meet the needs of your sons and your daughters right now in the name of Jesus. Only you know the depth of our needs. And only you can fulfill them. And as always, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will decrease and receive what you have for us. So have your way. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do the next couple of days and the lives in the heart of your people. So we thank you. We love you. We receive it. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Let every person in this room say amen. 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 If you want to take part in the Christians Working in Sports Conference next summer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, visit the CWS Conference website by clicking the link 
in the description of this podcast. Be sure to check back periodically for updates on dates, price, lodging, and more regarding the 2024 CWS Conference. If you like this podcast, be sure to catch new episodes of this podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do.